three, two, one. Let's go! go! I'm the host of the PBE podcast, Troy Tittlemeyer, sitting down, fortunate enough and uh, honored to sit down at Microseismic Inc.'s booth, booth 1409 at Image 2023 today. This is the second day. Yesterday, I learned a lot about the fundamentals of microseismic through Dr. John McKenna's podcast, and we talked with the COO and president and kind of got the vision of what's going on at microseismic. Now I'm equipped to sit down and finally dig in with Peter Duncan and Nader as they can introduce themselves here in a minute. First of all, what do you think of the show so far? Oh, wow, it's been great. We've got a lot of traffic. We've got a great booth location. We've yeah. got some great people sitting on the floor with us <laughs> in the booth. We've got some really interesting technology out front, and people are stopping. They want to see right. what's going on. That's right. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Please introduce yourself, Peter. Well, I'm Peter Duncan. I'm the founder and CEO of Microseismic Inc. I started this company in my bedroom in 2003 Whoa. to try to do passive seismic. Passive seismic, that's any kind of just listening to the earth. And we've done frac monitoring, and now we're moving into carbon sequestration monitoring and karst detection and things like that. We're having lots of fun using this intriguing science, which mm -hmm. back in 2003 was brand new. People didn't know what it was, and now... It's become uh, something that's almost considered old hat. It's amazing. You get old and people think something that was new is now prosaic. But we keep innovating, yeah. and part of that innovation is this guy sitting next to me. Right on. Nader, please, introduce yourself. My name's Nader Issa. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Terra15. Started Terra15 almost seven years ago now in ah. Perth, Australia, to commercialize and bring to the market a really new next-generation distributed acoustic sensing instrument. Dis say it again, the acoustic... Dis distributed Acoustic Sensing. It goes by the short acronym DAS, DAS in the geophysics yeah. community. Okay, so this is getting us into the partnership. Let's rock it back a little bit, Peter. You got degrees. You figured out these, these technologies that were being applied in different ways. And in 2003, you said, hey, why don't we use some of this stuff that's out there for, for monitoring and, and micro-seismic level? Or how did the, the birth of this kind of go? Let's... Well, we, you're right. We, we looked at the technologies that were around for acquiring data, and we said we can do things in the field without having vibrators or dynamite. We, wow. can, we can solve certain problems. And over the years, we have developed that technology. It, took a, it was a bit of a different approach to analyzing data and what you're listening for. You can think of it as, as listening to earthquakes, but scaling it down yeah. to something that's appropriate to the oil field. And now we've branched out into different areas of, of utilization. But one of the things we've always been proud of, one of the things that we've always been diligent about, is trying to use the best technologies mm -hmm. to apply to our problems. Mm -hmm. So we've never been in the business of making seismometers. We buy best of brand. We've never been in the business of, of making geophones. We buy the best of brand. And uh, this technology that Nader's talking about, DAS, yeah. has come onto the market. Oh, it's, it's old technology, but it's only <laughs> now in the last few years started to become practical. And we realized there were applications of it in our business that wouldn't be better than geophones. So I spent some time, I went out on the market, the web, and I, <laughs> I investigated all the DAS equipment that was available. And I came on this little company in Australia that had very little presence except in academia in okay. North America. Okay. And I looked at their specs and I called up Nader Cold <laughs> and I said, How about Nader. That? How are things in Australia? And I think you might have a technology I'm interested in. And we talked, and it was a good conversation, and yeah. then went to bed for about six months. Okay. Market wasn't there. And then 
things started to heat up where it was appropriate, and I called him again, and I said, Nader, it's me. And he said, I remember you. <laughs> and I'm going to be in Houston in a couple of weeks. How about I Let's come and see meet you? Up. He came in. We sat in the conference room. I really liked what they were doing. I really liked some new things they'd done to their interrogators since I'd first talked to them. And I said, I think we could work together to bring your technology to North America and blow this market apart. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of, that, is that accurate? Was that uh, it's accurate, yeah. <laughs> Don't uh, say I'm lying. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> it's very accurate. And actually, we're, we're really honored and excited to be working with Microseismic, a uh, very well-renowned company in the right. field, actually right. made an industry uh, in, in, in this energy sector, and uh, it's, it's a great privilege to be working with them. Uh, it's a sector that we generally don't work in in Australia. Uh, we, we work in other sectors, okay. uh, typically mining and utilities. Okay. Um, uh, and and uh, we've always been on the lookout for you know the best team and the best partners to work with to get into the oil and gas and the energy sector and and a lot of these other applications that that are really big in North America. Right. And um, so here we are today. Wow. And what's your background? What do, what kind of degrees do you have? What how do you yeah. how did you do this? I'm a physicist by background. Oh, I got nice. a PhD in fiber optic technologies really? uh, from the University of Sydney. Started in 2001, graduated 2005. So I've been working with fiber optic technologies for um, almost 23 years now. Um, I did spend uh, about four years of my career as a, a passive seismic geophysicist. I wanted to try something new and, yeah. and reskill in a, in, a, in a new area. Uh, so I talk the talk, I understand the, <laughs> the jargon, uh, yeah. but I'm nowhere near as, uh, as accomplished as a, as a geophysicist and a, a geoscientist as the team at Microseismic. Man. Yeah, so the the idea of fiber and and on all this, I, I kind of remember the the horizontals and uh, in 2014, 2015, 2016, we were drilling these things in the Permian Basin, and and it was it was always very difficult to get a straight answer on where do we think most of this fluid's really coming from in the horizontal well, mm -hmm. right? You you frack the whole thing, but at in the reality of it, certainly after 100 days of production and you, you get further along in the production, where is it really coming from? And I remember fiber being an, an option. It was expensive, right, the, back then anyway. And, and the option was run fiber down it and maybe it could tell which perfs or which stages are contributing the most fluid. And maybe you'd even be able to tell this one's mostly brine based on its temperature. This one's mostly oil coming through. Like it was fascinating what fiber could feel, if or, or, or listen to, however you want to say that. Now I'm getting with Microseismic. Yesterday talking with Gary and the other, your whole team that has been doing Microseismic for so long. They're like fiber is going to be down all the pipelines, the electrical. You know, this building could be a future building of this size can be built with so much more technology subtly laid out in the infrastructure, you're already laying all those lines. You're just now laying another one, and now you, you for forever, ideally, you know where the leaks are coming from, you know where your problem's at, like you know where it's at because of fiber and this technology that can listen really well in, in the infrastructure. And to me, I just, I was just blown away. My mind just started thinking of, future cities and you know what I mean 20 years from now 50 years from now what does it look like so before we get there how did this partnership I get it you found them you did the research you know what you're doing you got micro you got 20 years experience now we're applying it to carbon sequestration and everything else 
What's the nuts and bolts of this partnership that you guys are announcing at Image 2023? So a big piece of a developing piece of our business, it's not big yet, but it's a developing piece and it will be big, is this carbon sequestration. And in the carbon sequestration, the, the, one of the prime goals is to make sure we don't have any induced seismicity, any earthquakes caused by the injection of fluids, because the injection of wastewater has caused a bunch of induced seismicity. But beyond that, we want to make sure that we know that the cap rock that we're putting the fluid underneath is remaining intact, that yeah. we've not got any leaks. And we want to make sure that the plume, as it grows, doesn't round around the edge of the reservoir yeah. and start leaking up to the surface. Well, all of those things we can detect by hearing very small noises. We like to deploy a large area array of geophones to listen to those little sounds. But the problem is it's a large area on the surface. It's a long way from where the fluids are. And we like to get it calibrated. When we're doing frac monitoring, we can calibrate our data with the fracs themselves or yeah. with the perf shots that make the holes in the pipe that the fluid then is ejected through to, to uh, stimulate the well. But with carbon sequestration, we don't have that advantage. But we can put a fiber down to the very top of the cap rock and it's very sensitive, it can hear very, very small noises and we can use that to calibrate what we're hearing on the surface. Oh. So using that calibration, we can now make the geophones on the surface be very, very much more effective at hearing those small sounds wow. and solving the problems, the three problems that I just talked about. Right, right, that's fiber. Fiber's doing that, okay. Yeah. And you've been able to make it cost effective, you know, possible in today's environment. That's right. I mean, um, it's uh, the cost question has been something that we we push against regularly. There's there's yeah. a cost curve to any technology. Uh, fiber optics used to be very expensive in right. the early days, but today it's it's very quite very cheap and quite ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Um, and then if you tr talk about new instrumentation and new devices to do sensing using optical fibers, um, as as the applications, as the the volumes and and the use cases grow, the that technology comes down along the cost curve. And, and the applications open up and you can use it in more and more places, applications that you never thought about before. And um, that's the vision we have for, for distributed acoustic sensing, DAS. Uh, we see ourselves in an era where, uh, where, where large sensor counts are going to be part of everyday business. You're not talking about a few sensors here right. and there to monitor things. You're talking about thousands hundreds of thousands, potentially even millions of sensors, monitoring infrastructure, monitoring um, our daily activities, our yeah. daily lives, our daily, the assets that we rely upon in modern society. Now, to do that, the, the cost per sensor needs to come down. And that's exactly what DAS does for you. The cost per sensor is by far much lower than, than anything else you could achieve Ooh. when your sensor counts are in the hundreds, thousands, or, or, or beyond. Uh, but data by itself is is not uh, as valuable as uh, the what you do with the information that data reveals to, for you. And so what you need to provide is you need to create a solution, some sort of actionable insight for the end customer yeah. based on the data and the large volumes and quantities of data that you can collect these days. And that's something that MicroSeismic has, uh, has a very long and proven track record in. Right. And so it's a very exciting partnership. So Troy, I'd like to respond to something you said earlier that really resonates with me. And I think you'll find this interesting. There's a, you were talking about cables that are everywhere. Yeah. You could put them on pipelines, you could put them around on the ground. Well, Nader's got an interesting story on this, but first I'll tell you about the group out in Stanford University 
who used the fiber optics from telephone wires, AT&T, okay. stuff that they didn't lay, it was there, and they borrowed one of the strands of these telephone wires, and they mapped, they listened to the earthquakes going on in the San Andreas Fault. The little tiny creeping sounds <laughs> as the San Andreas moved. Now, talk Whoa. about cost effective. They didn't have to lay out anything in the ground. It was already there, and they just hooked onto it with an interrogator and then listened to the sounds. Nader, you've got a great story on that. Yeah, indeed. So we uh, we generally use uh, existing optical fiber infrastructure wow. that's in the ground. Wow. Uh, we find fiber that's co-located to, to uh, pipelines, especially, uh, including the water infrastructure in cities. And uh, we use that optical fiber to monitor those pipelines on a 24-hour uh, a day basis, seven days a week, notifying about uh, leaks, uh, construction yeah. activity, anything that could be uh, associated with the, the management and maintenance of, of that pipeline. Um, now, those are just a few of the things that, that we uh, we can measure and monitor with, with these fiber sensors. Um, yeah, there's earthquakes that we're detecting from all over the world. Um, there's traffic, there's, <laughs> there's, <Wow>. uh, <laughs> there's what's happening in the subsurface, all of which is rich and in the data, just needs to be tweezed out. What, you referred to the interrogator, what is that? Well, the interrogator is the, I shouldn't be answering this. <laughs> You're the scientist. Go ahead, tell them what the interrogator right. is. <laughs> uh, so, that, uh, simply stated, that's that's the, the the box that you connect the optical fiber to. It houses the the all the uh, the optics and the electronics, like the lasers, the detectors, the amplifiers, the Whoa. digitizers, even the computing processor that that uh, ch churns through the data in real time. Uh, that's all housed in one one physical box, Whoa. and that's called the interrogator because it interrogates the optical fiber. Okay. Uh, it sends light down the fiber, uh, it pulses, thousands of pulses per second, and Jeez. it receives the, the, the backscatter of light that comes from the tiny, tiny imperfections that are present in optical fiber from the manufacturing process. All fiber has these, these imperfections, millions every, every meter, and so uh, when you send a pulse of light down the fiber, you get uh, a, a, a reflection uh, from every single meter, which is like a fingerprint of that meter. Uh, of of that of that meter of optical fiber, and uh, every meter has its own unique fingerprint. No and way. as the fiber stretches, you track how that fingerprint uh, changes on a millisecond basis or faster, and you can extract strain from that strain and strain rate information. So, Troy, yeah, do you have a child? Yes, three of them. Did you get an ultrasound? Did yeah. your wife get an ultrasound? Yeah. So, with an ultrasound. He's, the doctor sends a little ping down and gets the bounce off the baby and it does it all over and it gets a picture of the baby. Right. So what an interrogator does is send a pulse. It's, it's now light, not sound, so it travels faster and it's higher frequency, more resolution, but it goes down and it finds that reflection where something's happened on that fiber. And because it's contained in that fiber, instead of it just being the belly of the woman, it can be anywhere in the town. It can be anywhere where that fiber goes. and it. Here's the little reflection, or it sees the little reflection as a result of a disturbance. Whoa. It times when it comes back, and it can says, oh, there's something there, there's something there. I can put it around a building, and if someone, intruder, steps on that point, his reflection comes back from that point and says, there's an intruder right there. Go get him, guys. Wow. And, and so what sold me, as, as much as anything as the specs, is that Nader showed me a little application he had on his cell phone mm -hmm. where he was monitoring the water beneath a city in Australia. Okay. And there was it was all green. And it was all the AT&T cable, not AT&T, I suppose, but it was all the, the telephone cable underneath the town. Uh -huh. It was all green except for a little red dot. 
and that little red dot said there was a leak. Wow. And that application was in the hand of the water authority in that city. And that's exactly what we do. We have an application that we give to our clients that says where the red dot is, is a problem. Now we do it with a lot of geophones and a lot of sound yeah. and it takes yeah. a lot of time. He's enabling us to do that better, faster, and easier. Wow, man, that's pretty exciting, huh? It is exciting. Been around for 20 years. You've been in the weeds of all this for so long and now you're seeing fiber. Able to do what I want to do better and faster and cheaper. Damn, man, what a, what a pitch. What a pitch. Uh, all right, uh, doctor me up a little bit on the idea of fiber. Like, what was before fiber and what is fiber? Like, give me just some basics of fiber optics. Fiber optics, so... Um, uh, How many hours have you got? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Elevator yeah. I've got a PhD no, in this subject. <laughs> I could talk for, uh, for hours on it. Uh, fiber is basically glass. It is, it is ultra-pure glass that's manufactured through a synthetic process. And it's got, it's got some sort of chemical structure inside the glass that allows it to trap light. And uh, it's, uh, the reason it has to be very pure is because it needs to be um, highly transparent. So, you know, if you, if you take a, a piece of your, your window and you look at it from the side, it all looks green. You can't see through, through more than a meter of, of glass in, in a typical window pane. Uh, well, optical fiber is so transparent that you could, if, if your window was made out of that, that super pure glass, you could see for kilometers through that glass uh, with only a very, very small uh, uh, attenuation of the light. Where did it come from? Like, who thought of this? Who, where? Uh, yeah, that's a long story. I mean, there, there are, there's, there's history of uh, people using waveguides like this back to ancient Egypt, but uh, it was really in, in the 1960s and 70s that they found a way okay. uh, to, uh, to purify glass and manufacture glass in such a way that it could enable the transmission of light over long distances. Wow. Prior to that, uh, there's a famous quote that goes back to the 1930s uh, where somebody, I can't remember which telecommunications company said, glass will never be, uh, glass fibers will ne never be used for long distance communication. <laughs> well now it is the primary <laughs> conduit yeah. of long distance communication. Yeah. So Troy, if you go over to that booth right over there, yeah. you will see that they make a streamer that goes out behind boats, a seismic streamer. And down that seismic streamer, which is a long continuous cable that's maybe three inches in diameter, Whoa. there will be a geophone every 12 and a half meters. Okay. And in that geophone, what happens is there's wire in between. Yep. And the wires in between carry the signal that's generated by that geophone back to the mothership where it's recorded as a seismic record. Okay. But those samples are every 12 and a half meters. Right. Only where the geophone is. Yeah. Now, replace that with a piece of fiber, and now we have a geophone every Whoa. few inches. Anywhere that we can sample that there's been a disturbance in the cable, a strain yeah. on the cable. So that's the big, the big advantage of fiber, is that instead of having a sample every 12 and a half meters or every 50 feet or something like that, right. we can have almost continuous, almost an infinite number of samples. And in any science, yeah. any observable science like us, the more data, the more accurate you are, yeah. the finer the sampling, the better your image, and that's what that brings to us. Right on. And also it's cheaper. To, yeah, <laughs> and, and there's another important factor, which is, uh, 
glass and the, and the fiber cables that you can buy are extremely resilient to harsh environments. So you're talking about high temperatures, uh, easily to up to 80 degrees, 150 degrees Celsius, 300 Whoa. degrees Celsius. I'm not going to try and convert that to Fahrenheit in my head. No, it, <laughs> um, it, that's uh, Chemically nuts. resistant in many respects, depending on the coatings that you want to use, uh, and also immune to electromagnetic interference. So, you know, you may have uh, high voltages, high currents, yeah. uh, uh, electromagnetic waves. It. it does not affect the signal whatsoever. So it's it's actually a very very robust material to, so to create can sensors. Fiber, out of. can fiber measure EM anomalies? <laughs> Uh, well, not really. It, okay. It's immune to <laughs> to yeah. interference, so it's uh, uh, it, it makes it difficult to to measure it. But the advantage is that you know you you're um, you, you're not influenced by it. Yeah. You know, if you've got a mobile phone tower nearby, it's not going to affect your measurement whatsoever. Yeah. Wow. Man, I'm I'm excited. So uh, again, I was talking yesterday and getting a better idea of the Terra 15 and the kind of this merger and this idea of fiber and applying it to what we do carbon sequestration, karst identification, geothermal now, and oil and gas is the backbone of a lot of this. You know, applying this, is it just makes great sense. And, and yep. it's exciting, you know, like for, for the younger generation and for the older generation, like this is something that is exciting, never been done before, and it's cheaper. Like, this is where it's going. You guys are riding the front lines of this. You're on the razor's edge. I always talk about that. And if you're not on the edge, you're taking up too much space, you know? You guys are riding that edge in technology and applications. And I'm rooting for you guys. I, I'm, I'm super excited to hear more about this partnership. I hope you guys write papers. I hope you give a lot more talks because I, I want to learn everything about this. Thank you. Well, we're excited too. There's a Confucius said, that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. It took us 20 years to get ready, <laughs> and now my teacher is here, yeah. and we're bringing that technology to our business. Man, right on, Peter. <laughs> Thank you. Later. Thanks for the intern. Thank you. Man.